Well, if you didn't get to join us last Sunday, well, we started a new series together. New year, new series, new theme and focus. Was are the series of a healthy family, a growing family. Meaning that this is for our church family, this is for your family, this is for everything. That if we seek to be healthier in, in Christ, living more what He would want us to do, we are a growing family. We're growing spiritually. Hopefully as a church we grow numerically. We want to see more people come in and have them grow in the Lord. So we've been reminded of this as we started last week, as we started going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And you see the theme verse there that's part of this in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And so we want a healthy body of Christ. And we know what positive, awesome things it can, can do for our church family, for you. So if you didn't get to join in with us last week as we got started in this journey verse by verse with the book of 1 Corinthians, you can pick it up this morning as we continue on. So this morning we'll be in, in part two. Part two this morning of, and we're going to call it, Pride Goeth Before the Fall. Now, who's heard that saying before, right? Most everybody's heard, Pride Goeth Before the Fall. I know personally that this is true. Now, I remember a time when I learned this lesson in a very unique way. Now, you all know me. You know I love to tell stories. And, and yes, this is a story that maybe some of you a while back heard of me, but considering it was a story of me badly embarrassing myself, I don't think anybody of you is going to object for me retelling it this morning, right? I mean, everybody loves when the pastor embarrasses himself, so amen. Thank you, John Tanner, my youth minister. Wait for the support, brother. I remember this lesson when I was in seventh grade at my very first youth camp. I mean, I was so excited to go to youth camp for the first time. And I, I mean, I graduated out of the children's department at the church I grew up in, University Baptist Church. And finally, I was in the youth group. And it was time for the first youth camp. And I was just, I mean, I couldn't have been more excited. Now, normally, our youth group went to the same place every year. But this year, that year, we did a little different. We went to Howard Payne University. And we joined in with a large number of other churches. And we had, a, had an awesome week. Now, there's a lot about that week I remember. I mean, it was just, there's filled with fun stuff. It was, again, that first exposure, really being youth group, and, man, I loved it. Now, every night we did, in fact, this is what our youth do when they go to youth camp. We had joined together with all the churches for worship, for the, the, the lesson, but then we broke up into our individual church groups to kind of have the wrap-up part of the evening. And so our, our youth group, it was a decent size. I mean, there were probably 50, maybe 75 of us in our youth group. We got what kind of one of the larger meeting areas, and we were in the Fine Arts Building there at Howard Payne University, and we were in an auditorium, and we would gather on a stage where they did the theater productions, and we were doing that, and we would sit there for 20, 30, 45 minutes and talk about the evening and, you know, and just kind of have a rapid prayer. We did this every night. Now, being the good, perfect Christian boy I was, Laughter, you know. Wow, y'all are really trusting of me when I was growing up. I was not as good as you think. I, you know, of course, I concentrated only on worshiping God, studying my Bible, and nothing else, right? I was, mm-hmm, nasty, y'all are getting the picture. 
You know, I, I paid, you know, being a seventh grade boy, I paid no attention to those girls there at that camp at all, did I? Uh huh. Yeah. Well, it just so happened on the last evening where we were having our church wrap up time, I, we were sitting in a circle, and I happened to sit next to who I thought was the cutest girl in our youth group. And she was like a junior or senior. So she was, I mean, here, a little seventh grader. She's way above me, but I'm like, hey, 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 you know, I'm sitting next to the, I mean, blonde, she was, you know, I'm married to blonde. I got something for blonde. She was cute as could be. I'm telling you, I was just like, I, I'm lucky. I got to get sit right next to this girl. Well, then as we're going through a wrap up, I know what's coming. I know at the end of our time, we're going to stand up and we're going to hold hands. And so I get, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I'm not paying attention to anything my youth minister saying. Sorry, John. But, you know, I'm thinking about, I'm going to get to hold hands with the cutest girl in the youth group. And so here I'm, I'm thinking, going, I am going to show her what's up. I'm like, she is going to remember she held hands with Greg Robinson. I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be perfect. You know, like, everybody else is praying, oh, God, teach me stuff. I'm praying, God, don't let my hand get sweaty, you know, and all this stuff. I'm like, I am going to hold this girl's hand. You know, I'm thinking... Oh, she, she, I mean, she didn't know my name from anybody, but she is going to know me, right? This uh, uppity attitude that I had. I thought I was something, huh? So we get to the end of the time, we, we uh, get up, and we gather in our circle, and we pray for prayer, and I'm like, yeah, are you can, I can, right here, hold my hand. She, you know, she's got like, I have to, like the, I'll get in trouble if I don't hold his hand. So she holds my hand, and we're sitting there, and we're praying, we're praying. I don't pay attention to one word that prayer is saying. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to. I'm giving it a little bit of pressure, like, you know, like, real. I mentioned, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, she's going to know, not too hard, not too soft, I'm showing her, I'm, I'm manly, but I'm taking care of, you know, also, right? I said, all this is going through my, my teenage adult brain at this moment, and I'm thinking, yeah, when we say amen, I'm going to squeeze it, really. I'm going to she's going to, that's the best hand-holding this woman, this girl ever going to have in her life, you know, you know, this is going on in my head. And so I'm just so engrossed in this teenage moment, I'm just thinking about this, this cute little girl next to me. So we, we have this time, we had the prayer, and somebody says, amen, and I kind of give that little hand, you know, you're supposed to do the hand squeeze, and I give them a hand squeeze, and I kind of kind of look at her, and give this and everything, and then I take a step back. Well, what I forgot is I was standing on the edge of the stage, and let me tell you, this stage was not a few inches, it was about five feet off the ground. And so when I took a step back, my foot caught air, and I didn't just fall backwards. Just guess what I landed on? You ever see one of those going right there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm surprised I did not impale myself, die. There was a seventh grader. I hit my leg from here down to here on a music stand. I had a bruise for a month like you would not believe. And, and so, of course, everybody's attention was over to the seventh grader who just fell off the stage. I pop right back up thinking, you know, oh, no big deal. I'm fine. I am crying inside. Like, I'm just like, I think I just died. I'm in so much pain. And so I realize now that this girl is not going to remember me for this, this handsome young, young man who held her hand so nicely during the prayer. She's going to think of the goofball seventh grader who just fell off the stage. And so that night I learned that sometimes pride goeth before the fall, literally. You know, and it can happen. Watch out. You might fall down, you know. I've always been wary of it since then. See, pride sneaks up on us, doesn't it? We don't always know we're getting in that attitude. 
We don't always know that we're overconfident and thinking about something. And then something happens and it does damage. Pride can do so much to us. And really that's what we're looking at in Scripture this morning. I mean, I told you as we started in 1 Corinthians last Sunday, we look at how God had, had the Apostle Paul write this letter to this church, this church that he was, he was one of the starting members of. He came and gathered them together. But this church, in Paul's absence, had become a very unhealthy place. It was not a healthy family. But through their time together, through, uh, through Paul's writing and, and their responding to God, they became a healthy family. That's the reason we're looking at this together. Now, Paul starts his letter, remember if you were here last week, he started not with criticism. He didn't go right to the rebuke, right to the negative, right, just right in their face. What did he start with? He started with praise. He started with encouragement. He spoke blessings over them first. That's where we began this series and remembering that, you know, I know we have problems with people. I know we have issues and, and conflicts. And sometimes we do need to talk about the tough stuff and the things that's going wrong. But it's always valuable to start by speaking a blessing over someone first. But not jumping straight to the criticism, right, not right to the negative, but instead of thinking of something praiseworthy to say, as Paul did. Now, Paul's done that, but he's really got to start addressing the problems. And let me tell you, as we get more and more in the book of 1 Corinthians, you're going to see the multitude of problems this church family has. I mean, there are so many. So what, was, what is Paul going to address first? What is he going to go after first and deal with them? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, it's on the issue of pride. And in fact, over the next several weeks, as we look at many things, pride is going to be an undercurrent theme that goes on constantly. This is your pride that has been built up in the church family. And pride stayed and it built. And what happened? It led to a fall in the church. So let's look at the scripture this morning. We're picking up right where we left off last week in the book of 1 Corinthians. In chapter 1, we're going to start this morning, in verse 10. Let's look at God's Word together. It says this, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that none of you can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And we're going to stop there this morning as we, as we just look at just this passage and see what's going on inside this church family and this issue of pride that's going on. Now, I want you to notice, back in verse 10, he kind, of, he kind of is addressing the first problem. He says, brothers and sisters, I don't want there to be any divisions among you. I want there to be unity. 
In fact, just that he says that, and we get evidence further on, tells us that there is division. There is disunity. They've been fighting, they've been quarreling, they've been disagreeing over all kinds of different things. So they're not a unified church family. Everybody's kind of fighting for what they, own, what they want. They're, they're having disagreements one, with one another. They're treating each other poorly. They're not meeting the needs of one another, all this stuff. Paul says, I want you to have to agree with one another in the things that you say. Is that there have been no divisions among you, that you are perfectly united in mind and thought. So in other words, he's saying, I want you to be one church family. I don't want to be all these splits and factions among you. I don't want to see all this infighting and backbiting and the gossip and the slander and the upset at this person and that. He says, I don't want that for you. Now, some might look at this and say, well, there's the problem right there. There's disunity. So we just need to focus on, and Paul should just focus on, hey, everybody just be nice to everybody. Everybody love everybody. Just try to get along better. Just be of one mind. See, the focus of what happens in these verses is not verse 10 where, it says Paul, where Paul says, I don't want you to have disunity. I want you to be of one mind, uh, of one thought. I want you to be one church family. He's talking about, he's telling us what the symptom is. He's not yet brought to us the problem. He's saying the symptom is that there is disunity. You see disunity in a church family, in your family at home, it's a symptom of a bigger problem. If there's the, back, if there's the fighting back and forth, if there's the argument and the issues, if there's the constant, you know, just whatever, the tension, it's not just, hey, we need to try to treat each other better. We just need to be just nicer with our words. I mean, those things help, but that is just a symptom. What's the real problem? The real problem is pride. Let me show you what I mean. See, when Paul says, I got a report that there's fighting among you, that he tells us what the report says. Now, Paul kind of overemphasizes this a little bit. He kind of gets a little sarcastic a little bit, if you will, to kind of prove his point. He says, I hear that some of you are saying, I follow Paul. And others of you are saying, I follow Apollos. And still others, I follow Cephas. And then others, I follow Christ. Well, we knew who Paul is. Paul obviously was there starting the church. Who's Apollos? Apollos was a, a work kind of like a missionary and church planner like Paul, who followed Paul at the church of Corinth. See, Paul was there first. He got him started. Paul left. Here comes Apollos. He does awesome work. We're going to learn more about him as it goes on. Well, who's Cephas? He's, that's Peter. We know about the Apostle Peter. Now, we don't know if he ever showed up to the church of Corinth, but he certainly was a leader there in the early church, and, we, of course, we know who Christ is. The point is this. There's a bunch of different people, and they're all saying, well, I am a member, I am a I follow so-and-so. I was taught under this person. Now, we, we kind of see how this would happen a little bit. If Paul was kind of the founding father of this church family, and even points out that he baptized just a few people, not many. He wanted to be careful. You could see somebody come in and say, well, you know, I know you're a part of the church, but I was baptized by Paul. You know, even then Paul had a pretty big name. I mean, people knew who he was, and he was doing awesome being a church, and they could say, well, ah, well, my baptism was a little better than yours because Paul did it. Or, you know, I was here in the day, I, I don't like it when people use that statement in the church, when I was here back in the good old days, and, oh, you're asking for trouble. I was here when Paul taught us. 
you know, they're not saying those things, but it's an attitude, it's a heart thing that's going on. And then some people can say, well, I was here when Apollos was here. Now, what we know about Apollos is he was a really good speaker. And Paul says by his own words that he was not a very good a public speaker, that he put people to sleep all the time in his messages. Well, not all the time, but we assume. One time a guy fell out a window from Paul's preaching, put him to sleep that bad. I, so I, I can relate to Paul. And so Paul says I, he never was a great preacher. But here comes Apollos who followed him. And they say Apollos was, was a very smart person, very good teacher. And so some people could say, was, I learned under Apollos. I mean, he was really the teacher. He was the preacher. I really liked him. I joined when he was the pastor of our church. <laughs> and then some say, well, those guys are good, but you know old Peter back in Jerusalem, you know, he kind of lived with Jesus for a few years. Yeah, I identify with him. I follow Peter. I'm better than you. See, this heart thing coming out. Again, Paul's kind of overemphasizing. And then somebody, Paul's kind of saying, well, somebody's playing the trump card. Well, I just follow Christ. Now, following Christ is a wonderful thing. Isn't that what Paul wants for them? But he's kind of showing, he says, here's the attitude of the people of saying, well, I'm, just, I'm better than you. You may say you follow so-and-so, you came under so-and-so's leadership, but I follow Christ. The number of bad things that have been done in the name of Jesus... The petty things, the ugly things, the jealous things, all these things, it shock you. Well, but I follow Jesus, so I get to do these things. I get to be better. I get... You get where I'm coming from. If you're, with, if you're still with me this morning, if I haven't put you to sleep, say amen. Okay, there's a couple of you still with me. All right, so you see a different attitude of people saying, I'm better than you are. He's using one small example. He's not trying to say that this church is full of people who are saying, I'm of the Paul group, the Apollos group, the Peter group, or the Jesus group. He's saying this attitude of, there's a competition of, I'm holier than you. There's people going, back and saying, I'm a little bit better than you. I'm a little bit further along than you. I am attached to this person. Now, what kind of heart attitude is going, behind, going on behind those kind of actions. It's pride. It's just pride. That's that inner thing in us that wants to say, uh, make us say, I am better than you are. That I've done something you haven't. That I was here when. We have, we have, it's a sin thing, and it's something we all struggle with. It's an issue of pride that makes us want to get up and say, I have done this. I am better because of. We don't speak the words, but they come out in our actions. And that's what's going on in our hearts. We deal with issues of pride. And so what Paul is telling us, the first and biggest problem this church family has, the church at Corinth, is an issue of pride. Pride is getting in the way. They are not unified. But the reason they're not unified is because of the pride that was happening. You had a bunch of different people who were saying, you know, I follow so-and-so. Friends, I have seen it way too many times where somebody says, I go to this church because of this person. A lot of times it's the preacher, not always, but, you know, this preacher, he is really good. Or he's really famous, or he's done this. I go there, and I've seen it, friends. I said, a, a preacher leaves a place, and I see a bunch of people scatter. I've always said, wherever I preach, I said, the day that God calls me home or sends me somewhere else, I don't want anybody to leave that church or come back because I'm gone. 
Because you should not be out of a, at a church. You should not be in a family because of a person. The preacher, the youth minister, the whatever. That is not the reason you are called there. And I've seen too many people say, Well, that preacher got me mad, so I went somewhere else. Well, is that really the reason you came? And then they say, and then I hear also, Well, you know, I saw this in the church, or so-and-so treated me like this, so I don't go anymore. Is that the reason you were called to go to the church in the first place? Friends, it's above that. That's, you know, anytime those words are spoken, it's a pride issue going on. It's pride coming out in us and saying, well, I'm better because of this. I can't believe somebody would do these things. Or I'm attached to so-and-so. This church was dealing with disunity because of the pride. That was in their hearts. Look what Paul says. He, you know, he, he's trying to say, Paul's never trying to claim perfection, but he's trying to show them an example. He's trying to show them how he's trying to live. He came in, and one of his first jobs, Paul's job to come in, was to preach the gospel. But he said, I did not come to baptize. I came to preach the gospel. He kind of wanted the baptizing, the discipling to those missionaries, those elders who were left in the church. He said, I came to preach the gospel. But notice what he said. Listen to his words. In verse 17, it says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom or eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So he's saying this. When I came to speak to you, I did not come thinking that I was the greatest, the biggest, the grandest speaker there ever was. In fact, we're going to find out pretty soon. Paul says he came and he started speaking. He was terrified. He spoke with trembling. He, he never claimed to be an awesome speaker. And in fact, there's evidence to say he wasn't that great of a speaker. He says, I did not come thinking, look, I'm going to wow you with my words. Back in that day in Bibles, that's, you know, when people wanted entertainment, you didn't have the movies to go to. A lot of times you would go and you'd listen to a speaker. And that was kind of a popular thing. You'd listen to people called sophists. Sophia is the word for wisdom in the Greek world. And these people who would stand up there and they stand on the street corner, they would speak and they would teach and they would tell you of their wisdom. And these men were known around the world for what pers- how persuasive they were in their speech and what wonderful you know, speakers they were. And Paul's trying to say, I did not come to you like one of those. I did not come trying to say, hey, look at me. I can tell you of the message. I'm a really good, entertaining speaker. And he says, I did not come that way. He says, if I tried to come, if I came into this place with that kind of pride, you know what would have happened? The power of the cross of Jesus Christ would be taken away. He's saying, I want you to look at me and realize that I'm not powerful in myself. He says, I want you to realize that I didn't come in and I wasn't some wise person, some really smart person, some really just excellent speaker. I came in to preach the gospel and the power of God took over. And you looked at God, you didn't look at me. Because there's a lot of people who want to stand up in front of others and say, look at me, look at me, look at me. That's pride. Paul's saying, if I came with that kind of attitude, where would the power of Jesus Christ be Sometimes we think pride doesn't get us into that much trouble. Sometimes if we even catch ourselves in that kind of attitude, we're not really, we don't really struggle. Oh, what's the big deal? In church, pride is a killer. In your family, pride is a killer. In your own life, 
holding on to pride, living in pride, is an absolute killer. It has just taken away the power of God that could be displayed through your life, through your family, in our church. When we step up, when we deal with an issue of pride, when we step back and say, I'm not going to act in such and such a way. I'm not going to hold on that I'm better or I follow so-and-so. All the different ways that pride can come out. When we don't think we're all that. The power of God works mightily. Now, real quick, I want you to, I want you to go back and to draw your attention to what Paul said he wants of them. Remember, the real issue is pride. The real problem that's going on is not the disunity. That's the symptom. The real problem is pride. But back in verse 10, that symptom of what is wrong, what he says he wants for them, he says this. As I appeal to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree with one another in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, and listen to this, but that you, that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. There's a really cool word in the Bible here that you need to know. And it kind of gives us behind the scenes look at what Paul's trying to tell them. In our scripture, the, what's translated perfectly united is actually one word in Greek. Now, you didn't cover a Greek lesson this morning. I'm not going to give you one. But the word that's there in the Bible, it can be, it's perfectly fine to be translated perfectly united. But listen, it has another meaning behind it. It was actually a surgical or medical term. It was a term that was used when bones were broken and they were set back together. When somebody went in and took two pieces of bone, they're out of position, that had, been, that had got a crack in them, that had been broken, that had been hurt. And that doctor set them back together, perfectly uniting the bones back together. That's that Greek word that's being used here in Scripture. It's the mending of something that's broken. So, what is Paul really telling them to do? In fact, let's take it this way. What is Paul really telling us to do? Because I don't care what church you belong to, dealing with the issue of pride and divisions is a real thing. Just because we're in church doesn't mean there won't be hurts, we won't step on each other's toes. Doesn't mean that there won't be times where we have a disagreement with somebody else and there's a split of fellowship. There will be brokenness inside a church family and there will be brokenness inside your family and there's going to be an attitude that says, I'm digging my heels in because I'm right, you're wrong, and we're just going to leave it broken. That's pride talk. You're saying, I'm right, or I'm better, or I know this, and you don't. That's pride. Paul's telling the church right there, he says, I want you to mend the brokenness. He says, I want you to be perfectly united. I want you to take something that is broken, and you got to put aside your pride, and you got to put aside, I'm right, they're wrong kind of attitude. Or I'm better because of. Or anything that you're struggling with. You've got to put it aside and you've got to go mend that brokenness. We're going to put it back in line. And you can't go mend with somebody. You can't go mend something in your family if you're going to hold on to a heart full of pride. Because pride, pride sneaks up on us. 
before I know it, we're about to fall. And it's going to hurt us. It's going to do damage. You know, I wish that that day back in seventh grade youth camp, I had somebody there saying, Hey, Greg, just be aware there's a, there's a drop-off right behind you. I wish. Boy, do I wish a lot of times for that. And some friend said, Hey, pay attention. Just watch out. Because if you're not careful, you're really going to get hurt. You're going to get embarrassed. I wish I had a warning. But I didn't. We all have those moments. But friends... Let me do the same for you. Pride sneaks up on us. And if you're digging your heels in over something, over over a division that's in your family, in the church family, in your own heart, in some whatever it is, you're digging your heels in. That's pride. And I'm not telling you this to to tell you, hey, I'm getting on you because I've got to talk to myself about this all the time. I struggle with it. I struggle with it, friends. That's pride. And they go fix a brokenness to go make it perfectly united. It means putting the pride aside. It's tough. Friends, it's tough. But it's what we're called to do. This is where I love it that this is where Paul started with this church that was so sick, that had so many issues. He didn't go after the the big obvious sins first. He went after their pride. He says, it's killing you. It's making the divisions. Don't do it. Now, last week I challenged you. I said, hey, during this series, we're going to do some 30-day challenges. We're going to take on some things, simple things, easy things, things you can do every day, and your family and your church family just say, hey, watch what would happen. It's going to help. It's going to make you healthier. It's going to make your family healthier. Last week, I challenged you. said, hey, for this as we begin the series, do the simple thing of finding someone in your own family and in your church family and trying every day if possible to go say a blessing to them. To go just say a praiseworthy thing to them. To compliment them, to say something good. That especially in the moments where there is tension, don't jump at the negative. Don't go right after the critique. Stop and just tell them you love them and you're so glad God has put them in your life. Now, who's been perfect in that goal this past week? No, not me. Now, maybe somebody out there may have been absolutely perfect, but I was not. Did I have negative words sometimes? Yes, I do. I didn't always look for the praise immediately. I struggled on those things. I, I'm guessing you did too. Some of you were going, oh, yeah, we had a goal we were supposed to do. I forgot about that. That's okay if you did. I know that happens to us all. We get so busy in living life, we forget about doing the things that are healthy. So let me challenge you again. Go to the person who you need to go to. Go to that person where there is, you know, some of those closest relationships have the deepest tensions in them sometimes. Go to that person in your own family, in your own house. Go to the person inside the sanctuary. And you don't have to fix every problem. You don't have to solve issues. Just, I love you. I'm glad you're here. Maybe you're even at a place you can say, hey, we're good, or hey, I'm sorry, or hey, you know, whatever. But what God leads you to do. Now what's, I say there's a simple thing, but I'm also, I realize that can be hard for some of you. Why, what makes it hard? Pride makes it hard. The pride, the voice of pride speaking in you is saying, don't do that. You know you're right. You know that they shouldn't this. You know that they shouldn't have said that. 
That's the pride that is welling up. Watch out. Watch out. You are right on the edge about to fall. You're going to do yourself damage. You're going to do that relationship damage. Instead, what would happen if we are a people, a house full of doctors going around setting, mending uh, broken bones? Going around and saying, you know what? I'm just putting pride aside. Let's go fix this. Let's go after this. Let me just say I love you. Let me say I bless you. Let me say I'm just glad you're here. Let me tell you something I see God is doing in your life. Let me tell you something I see awesome of, of what you've done inside our church or in our family or any number of things. We want to be what Paul said. We want to be the family that comes together, that it has no division, that is of one mind, speaks the same word. We want to be step by step with one another. Well, the thing that kills that every time is pride. And it's something I know I struggle with. And I know it's, I hear your words, I know you struggle with it too. So let's struggle together. Let's be imperfect together. Knowing we're going to mess up, knowing we're going to falter, knowing that pride is going to get up on us sometimes. But let's be people who do it together. Who tell one of them, hey, watch out, watch out, you're getting pride. Hey, just be patient. Let's be a family that works together. Take that into your house. Take that in your own life. We get that same pride when it comes to our walk with God. He tries to correct us and we say, no, I know better. That pride is a killer. It goes before the fall. So friend, I love you. I love you enough to say, watch out. Let me pray for you this morning. Let's take a moment, go for the Lord, and just have a moment of reflection and prayer for Him. And I'm going to ask you this morning, you're going to have a chance, you're going to have an opportunity to be able to come forward and say, hey, I need some prayer, or you might have a chance to go pray with somebody or talk with somebody. We're going to do that this morning. We give you an opportunity to so, but let me take a moment to pray for you. And as I pray, I don't want you to just listen to my words. It's so awesome that when I'm praying, you can be praying too. You can completely ignore what I'm saying and if, you get to be, if you're talking with God, do it. That's, I'm fine with it. Because God hears me praying, He hears you praying. That's fine. Talk to God right now. And just begin to ask Him how He'd have you respond. What issue do you need to deal with today? What part of pride has been welling up inside you that you've been digging in your heels and say, I'm not going to go handle this. Be praying about it as I pray for you so that when in a, in a moment you're given a chance to respond, you'll do so. Heavenly Father, we come into this place and we give you thanks and we give you praise. Thank you that you give us an opportunity this morning to come in here to be a united church family. But God, there's a lot of things that get in the way of us being one. There's so many little hurts and grievances and minor things over here and just stuff that's built up and then we put our pride into it and those issues become ten times bigger and then we dig our heels in and say, I'm not going to go... God, we are a bunch of messy, sinful, imperfect people, and I am chief among them. Now, there's there's not one of us here who gets to claim perfection, or that we don't ever deal and struggle with pride, or that we've hurt the unity of our family and our church family from time to time. God, uh, but I thank you that you love us still. In the midst of that ugliness that, of that, what we bring sometimes. 
And God, I pray that this morning is exactly what you want it to be. And I pray that it is a warning for all of us. I pray that we're taking out of just a second that go, hey, let me look, let me pay attention. Where am I standing? Am I headed for trouble? Is this pride? Is this stubbornness? Is this refusal to give in or, or just this refusal to go and mend what is broken? Is it about to get me in some trouble? Is it about to do some damage that... I just don't know if it can be undone. God, I pray you help show that to our hearts this morning because we want unity. God, and for the person this morning who's struggling with you, they're not necessarily struggling inside their own church family, in their own family at home, but they're struggling with you. God, they hear your call. They hear your call of repentance. They hear your call of obedience to go and do, or they hear your call of salvation, to give their life, their heart and life, over to Jesus Christ. They hear it. It's been calling, God, because you you come knock on the heart. And it's really, if we're going to be honest, it's the pride that is welling up that there's been a refusal. They're not ready. They're not sure if it's right. What about the doubts? What about this? What would they have to do if they gave up that? God, that pride is going to kill him. God, I pray today that there is just a brokenness and a humbleness among all of us. God, that we would... God, that we would just see the areas of pride and lay them aside and just, even in exhaustion, just come and say, Yes, God, I am finally willing to come and do what you have me do. God, we thank you for this opportunity. And it is an opportunity. Don't let us let it pass us by. And we pray this by the powerful, powerful, saving name of Jesus. Amen. As always, we want to give you a time to respond. Why come and worship and share the word if we don't give you a chance to come and say, here's what God is doing in my life. So here in a moment, just a moment before you leave, before we're dismissed, before we do offering and all that stuff, what would God call you to do?